Hello. For these last several weeks, we've been pointing toward this Easter weekend by talking about the idea that to live the life that God has for us, we need to unsubscribe. You know, the way you get off of a list. We need to unsubscribe from this in order to get to that. We have said there are times in life where you need to turn from something that's good so that you can turn to something that's better. We've said that unsubscribe means that you need to give something up in your life in order to give to a new life, a, a fresh beginning. What's the last thing this year that we ought to talk about unsubscribing from? To turn from this so that we can turn to that. What do we need to give up this week so that we can give to something far better. Listen with me to the words that describe that first Easter, the way that Matthew tells the story. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was an earthquake and an angel from heaven rolled back the stone of the tomb and sat down on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come, look at the place where he used to lie. Now go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into the Galilee. You'll see him there. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell the others. And people have been running ever since. That's it. How, how does Easter help us be less afraid, give up living in fear, and somehow be filled with joy that'll last? I believe every single one of us is living between fear and the joy that we long to fill our lives. But that joy comes and goes and, and the fear feels like it's always here. For some of us, that's a fear of death and pain. For others of us, the fear now is of losing love, of a broken relationship. And every single one of us, every day faces, faces the fear of failure being seen as a failure as a, as a parent or at work or even a failure as a child. And we fear the failure to live a life with meaning. So the angel says, don't be afraid. I got to tell you, you never tell someone not to be afraid unless there's something to be afraid of. And the world can be a fearful place. Everybody has something they fear. I, I'm afraid of rattlesnakes. I, I'm not afraid to admit it. I used to be afraid of going bald, but I, I don't want to talk about that anymore. And the story says, so the women hurried away. There was a sense of urgency, like something had changed. It says they were afraid, still afraid, but they were filled with joy now. This has been a year filled with fear. For our world, with the epidemic, for our country, with all of our divisions and strife, 
And it's been a tough year for this church with all the losses that we have endured. So how do we live with fear that comes and goes and still become filled with joy that will last? We'd like to spend this entire month talking about how to become joy-filled people in a world of anger and fear and loss, and yet somehow joy. And we're calling the series Chasing Joy because it's so easy to confuse joy with happiness and who doesn't want to be happy? It's American dream, isn't it? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of the pursuit of happiness. And we Americans have been pursuing happiness ever since. We've been chasing joy. Chasing joy is as American as apple pie. But Jesus comes at it another way. Jesus teaches us how to come into a world of fear and face death straight on. Jesus gives up his inalienable right to life. Jesus gives up his liberty so that he can face death and come through it, not skip around it, not deny it, but go through death in order to offer joy that can never be taken away. Jesus is famous for saying, everything I've told you is so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Sometimes it's easier to show how we can turn from fear toward joy than to explain it. There are stories of people's lives that have taken that journey or are on the journey from fear to joy and have a slow walk through life toward meaning and even if the fear continues, they are filled with joy. You know, the church has a tradition of um, baptizing people at Easter. They talk about what happens when somebody comes to the tomb filled with fear and somehow finds joy. And two years ago, here at Menlo, we baptized people, some who had been preparing and others who were just caught up in that moment. I'd, I'd love you to meet one of those who was baptized. And for five minutes, listen to the story of our friend, Ed. I wasn't very religious at all growing up. Um, I had a little bit of religious education from my mom, uh, mom's side influence, but I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself Christian more on the agnostic or atheist camp uh, for a long time. And when I did come to God, it happened, um, when I wasn't looking for him either. So I, it was a really odd experience for me, but um, the Easter that I got baptized, a lot of things kind of came to a head. And I have to kind of tell you a little bit of background to tell you how I got there. I was actually probably coming out of the worst period of my life. So uh, a year prior, um, I had, I actually had been going through a divorce for a year at the time. And that was a time that was just devastating 
for me. Um, obviously, it was the, the emotional and relational aspect, but also kind of on the identity side, uh, I had a really hard time figuring out who I was. I, I came to Menlo, uh, not because of, in spite of it being a church, uh, but because of the, <laughs> because enough, of the divorce recovery. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just, I was, I was drowning and I needed anything that was out there and uh, divorce recovery was really great. They showed me a lot of things that I didn't know before. Uh, and it subtly changed my appreciation for God and for Jesus. Um, you know, I just had a very different impression and I could understand, I think various aspects of God, but there was one that eluded me. Um, and I didn't really quite know it existed, which was the Holy Spirit aspect. Mm. And um, I was watching a video in uh, real life, which was kind of a jump off of divorce recovery. And they had this piece that was touching on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And they said something that just kind of just hit me right in the heart. And it filled in something in my understanding, both of God and I think of love that I didn't get. And that was that the Holy Spirit was the comforter. That definition just blew me away. Because while I could understand, like, hypothetically, that everybody is supposed to have grace or needs grace, um, it was just too hard and too foreign of a concept for me to understand. Uh, but comfort was one that I could understand and was something that I realized how deeply I needed at that time. It wasn't just that I needed, you know, I, I did need grace. I did need people to say, you know, it's okay to be imperfect and all of that. But I needed the hug that came with that, not just the words. And the following weekend um, before the Easter sermon, uh, was also the first time I decided to pray. It was a really weird thing too. I couldn't tell you what made me want to do that. Uh, I, had, I had been attending also a small group um, because I needed support in any sense that I could. Uh, and everyone was very okay with me not being a believer and not even really seeking, but just like being there and like talking about life. Um, and they would always pray at the end. And I never, I never participated in the praying part. Uh, I, I participated in the sharing and having people pray for me. And that was really nice, but I didn't feel comfortable praying. And I don't know what overcame me that weekend, but I just kind of had a push inside that said, hey, I wanna participate. I wanna pray for somebody today. Um, and I, I felt, a presence with me when I prayed and I still didn't know what it was but it just felt so real um and and kind of during Easter sermon they said you know John was talking about a whole bunch of stuff including the Holy Spirit and this you know partnership with God and you know when when he was calling people to go up um I just felt that pull, you know, I, I, I had these experiences really recently and, you know, I knew that I may not have like all the theology in the world, but the feeling was there of like, you know, if this relationship that I'm feeling with this, I don't know what yet is what this is about, then I can sign up for that. I'm, I'm all about that. Obviously the uniqueness of the Christian faith and the body of Christ, as you mentioned, is, is Jesus. 
Um, if someone were to say to you, okay, I get the God thing, but what's, what's this Jesus thing? Um, how would you describe your understanding of Jesus again at this juncture of your journey? It comes down to me, I think, a definition of love and different aspects of it. So I think that, you know, God is more of a, like a head love. I, I love you. And this is the idea of how I love you. And um, I think that Jesus's point was one of empathy, which is God stepping in our shoes and saying like, hey, I'm here with you. Yeah. I've, I've been through it. I understand what you've been through. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, and that's, I think where the Holy Spirit comes in, which is like after Jesus, after the empathy, right. then you can have that, that other connection, that consolation. I love that. He's not a Christian. He, he's not even looking for God. He's more of an atheist or an agnostic. But he came to Menlo in spite of that. In spite of it being a church, he knew that he needed help to recover from his divorce. He needed a place where that was safe. He didn't know about God, but in the process, he found that there was this spirit of God that people called the comforter. It hit his heart and it filled him because he knew how much he needed comfort. He needed the hug of God. And at Easter, as he heard about the comforter, he didn't have all the right words. He didn't know about theology. He just felt a pull by something or by someone to come forward. And then Ed has since found the father of love that goes to his head. And he has found Jesus who steps into our human shoes and lives life to show us empathy and to be with us. That's the message of Easter, that Jesus comes for us. And then he sends that same spirit to offer us comfort to all who keep facing Jesus. Everybody who trusts him just enough, just enough to want to follow after him. You know, the psalmist says, um, Weeping endures through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh on Easter morning. Fear is as inevitable as the grave, but joy is our response to the Christ who rises from the dead. And odd as it sounds, the cross is the way to get to joy unquenchable. The writer of Hebrews said that, for the sake of the joy set before him, Jesus endured death, even death on a cross. And so God raised him up. Whether it's somebody else's story or that yearning in your heart that there's something missing, that you need joy that will last, that will go into your soul, that's the Easter story. Peter is the disciple who is there right from the beginning. He met Jesus at the start and he is filled with bluster and he's filled with fear. And he follows Jesus and he watches him die. Then he runs to the tomb and finds it empty and sees Jesus alive. This is how he describes it at the end of his life. He says to some others, you haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. Even though 
You don't see him now. You believe in him. And so you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of faith, the salvation of your souls. So today, would you like joy enough to overcome the fears that keep coming? Would you like to offer that joy to someone, a life like that? If you want a next step, turn and look for the risen Christ who brings joy to a fearful soul. And if you want to know how that joy might spread into your life, then join us again next week and the weekends to follow as we talk about chasing joy. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, uh, Easter is a glorious day, but it comes in the middle of a tough life where many of us battle depression and anxiety and fear, and we long for a word of hope and joy. So I would ask this Easter morning that you, the source of life and joy itself, would send your spirit, the comforter, to bring us the hug of a God that will never let go. In your name, amen.